This is the GDC Life podcast. God meets hungry people. And so, um, stay standing. You guys were hungry to lead us. You guys were hungry to come and experience. And this morning, I was like, I can't. I was like on my knees going, I don't want to preach. Like, I don't want to say the wrong word. I just want you to be glorified. But, wow. So, I'm going to read. I thought it would be good to stand and uh, read from Scripture this morning together. So I'm going to read the whole book of Genesis. Are you ready? <laughs> You're laughing about What if I was going to? Well, who's going to sit down first? My parents. My mom's the first one to sit down, ladies and gentlemen. I don't pick on her for no reason. She, she loves it. All right. So I love you, mom. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Receive this as our God charging you and I. Amen. It says this, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus who would judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his, and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. This is not in my message. Preach the word doesn't mean grab a mic, get on the stage and preach a word. Preach the word means everywhere you go, you are speaking God's word in every situation. That is what preach the word means. It's not for the preacher. It's for a believer. Amen. So preach the word. Be ready in and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come. When they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves their own teachers. They will turn away their ears from the truth and turn aside to fables. Father, in this day and age, let us be people who build our lives on your word. Let us not be swayed left and right. Let us not build our foundations on anything else but your word. And we ask right now, Father, that that would just be a revelation to some of us even right now, Lord, that we build on your word and we preach it in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You can be seated. We've been commissioned to preach the word of truth because we're living in days where people will not tolerate sound doctrine. Uh, 2022 is a really, really interesting. I wouldn't. I didn't think the future would be like this. You know, when you grew up, when you were like 15, you thought the future would have flying cars, right? That's what I intended. I thought Back to the Future was it, right? Uh, we don't have flying cars. We have. We we have a society that has decided to build their lives on anything but the truth of the Word of God, and that's so much scarier than flying cars that might fall off the the sky. And so what I've noticed more and more is that, so we're in a series called Relationships. We're in the middle of it. And what I know now in 2022 is that people define their relationships and how a late relationship should be more with pop culture, movies, TV, sitcoms, music than the Word of God. But the Word has a lot to say about relationships, how we relate, how we date, how we marriage, how we have connection with one another. So rather than the word shaping us, we allow movies and everything else to shape us. And, and that's, kind of, that's kind of scary, you know. So this morning, I want to preach. I want to bring a message that's um, straight from Scripture, one that we need to build our lives in order for our relationships to be so genuine, so strong that the world can look to you and I and go, that's the kind of relationship I won, I won with other people. So are you ready? 
Thank you. Jade, I'm going to preach to you. So, Jade, here's, are you ready? <laughs> yeah, good. You've got to be loud with me. So, um, this morning we're going to look at a biblical concept called covenant relationships. Okay, we're looking at covenant relationships, not, not, not through the lenses of marriage, but through the lenses of one another. A covenant relationship with you and I. See, if we're to build our, show, our, our foundations from TV shows, we're in a lot of trouble. We're in a world of a hurt, okay? Um, because often movies, shows, they depict relationship based on passion, adventure, and unrealistic situations. So if we're not careful, because of the amount of TV you and I watch... Yeah, let's be real. We watch a lot of TV. We binge a lot of Netflix. You've all finished season four of Stranger Things. I know, because you hear it. I hear it. You've all watched it, okay? So if we're not careful, we can construct an unrealistic framework of what the ideal relationship looks like. So if we're not careful, unintentionally knowing, the more we feed off this stuff, the more we truly believe in our subcore that this is what a relationship looks like. It's like a sitcom, you know, like... A sitcom is a situational comedy. So within 30 minutes, you have the main characters, you have a plot, there's an issue in a relationship, and it all gets solved within 29 minutes and 95 seconds and a couple of commercial breaks. So within 25 minutes, we've solved the issues, okay? And so the more we feel this, the more we start thinking, my life does not look like that. Now, the highest rating sitcom series is Friends. Anyone here watch Friends? Yeah, who's watching? Right? So no one told you life was gonna be this way. Uh, you've all watched Friends. Okay, cool. Hey, babe, you're in good books because you're binging it right now. So please pray for my wife. Um, but you see, if we assume that that's our friendships, we're living in a fantasy land. Because in fantasy land, no one goes to work. We all hang out at a cafe. And um, we're always there for one another. And you can come into my apartment any time of the week. And you know what? And we can all just hug and cuddle and things will be all right. Even if we don't have jobs, somehow the bills get paid, right? <laughs> Wrong. Because what it teaches us is this, is that if, if my wife isn't showing interest on me, then I'm going to go chat up someone else. You see, all of a sudden, if my mate doesn't do what I want to do all the time, I might find a new friend. You know, all of a sudden, if my husband doesn't help around the house, I'm going to gossip about him behind my back to my friends because that is normal. We're building something that's not going to last in relationships. So rather than binging friends... No judgment to my wife. I love you. I'm praying for your soul. We need to get a heavenly perspective on true biblical relationships. And Jesus sets the bar, not Chandler. <laughs> Jesus says this, love one another as I have loved you. I wish he had stopped at love one another because that's easy. But as I have loved you, we're going to look at what that means and how we can actually um, live this life that's demonstrated to lay down our lives. He, see, he didn't just forgive our sins. He didn't just bring us hope. He didn't just send us to heaven. But he brought us into a covenant relationship. Covenant. And so this morning, we're going to look at how we walk in covenant with one another. Amen? All right. My water's here. Cool. So what does it mean to have a covenant relationship? Okay, so it is this. It's a binding agreement requiring death. That is what a covenant relationship looks like. It's a, co it's a binding agreement requiring death. Danny Silk, um, which this was, has been stemmed from, I listened to an incredible message of his, and um, this has been the basis for this message. He says this. It says, a life must be given before there can be a commitment to this kind of level. So if you want covenant relationship with me and with one another, 
We need, to believe, we need to know that our life must be given before there could be a commitment made at this level. That's as high as we are going with covenant relationship. And we notice this in, in the Old Testament, so in Genesis 15. Um, so God and Abram, uh, there's, there's a covenant that's been made. And, and what we see is that there was death before life could be formed, before the covenant could actually be, uh, take place. So let's have a look at this. We're going we're gonna to have a look in Genesis 15, 9. He said this, Bring me a three-year-old calf, a three-year-old goat, and a three-year-old ram, and a dove, and a young pigeon. He took all these animals. He split them in half. He laid the halves facing each other, but he didn't split the birds. I don't know what he did with those. Um, I like pigeon. They taste good. Um, When vultures swooped down on the carcass, Avon waved them off, and he went to sleep, and he was terrified of the darkness settled over him. So something important takes place. you got to hear this. Okay? Abraham was told to split the animals in half. So, Mom, can you get the goat from the back? We're just going to quickly do a demonstration. I'm kidding, Mom. Okay. <laughs> so this practice, this is how two people made the covenant, okay? The, the, the dead animal is split. And this is a symbolic act. And what it says later on is that God passed through. He passed through the blood. He passed through the mess. He passed through all the poo that would have come out of that animal to make the covenant with Abram. Abram didn't walk through. God walks through. And this is why it's important when you hear this. God walks through. He is showing. God is saying. He places the penalty of violating the covenant on himself. He's saying, he's showing Abraham how serious this promise is. He goes, Abram, you will probably walk away. The covenant I'm making with you, you might not be able to live up of it, but I will live up to this. I put whatever promise I've made, I am walking through this despite the mess, despite what you do. I'm never going to leave you nor forsaken you. And now Jesus, when he spilled the blood 2,000 years ago, when his blood was shed, that covenant, he's saying the exact thing for you and I. doesn't matter what mess you go through through. I am always with you. My promise is my word. I will never leave nor forsaken you. And that's the promise of a covenant relationship. And then God says, this is how I want you to relate with one another. That kind of covenant relationship where there is no walking away, where I, I, I'm, you know, I'm willing to go through the mess. You, like, like you hurt me, I'm willing to go through the hurt to restore our relationship. Like, I, like you've caused me pain, I'm willing to go through it, even though it may be painful to go through, to, to work out this relationship. It doesn't matter what has happened within our relationships, a covenant relationship means I'm willing to go through the mess, I'm willing to go through the poo, I'm willing to get dirty in order to restore this kingdom relationship because we are family. He's our father. We are sons and daughters, and we're family. And as a dad, the last thing I want is my kids to fight. Actually, the best thing is when they're making so much noise, playing, because it fills my heart with joy. And that's a covenant relationship God wants with you and I. Amen? So, so you see this in the Bible. Um, Jonathan and David is actually a prime example. If you go to 1 Samuel 18, oh my gosh. I didn't start the clock. <laughs> All right, let's start again. Um, after David, so this is Samuel 1, Samuel 18, 1 to 5. And this was it. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one. Everybody say one. Catch this. He became one in spirit with David. And he loved him as himself. And from that day, Saul kept David with him. 
um, and did not let him return home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant. Say covenant. He made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. So much so that he took off his robe, wearing gloves, and gave it to David uh, and the tunic and even his sword and his belt. He sacrificed and gave what he had to David. There's this covenant relationship that he made. He became one with him in spirit. What did Jesus say the greatest commandment is? Love your God with all your? All your? And all your? And love your neighbor as yourself. Jonathan, before Christ even comes gets this picture of loving David as I love myself. Now, you might be saying, this is extreme, okay? Can't I just be cool with the person next to me? Well, you guys are married. You have to do this. Um, but, like, can't I just be cool with it? And, and, and can't I just be normal friends and we just fist pump and do that stuff? You can, but I believe that there's a deeper relationship that we want and the world is hungry for. That's why there's so many broken relationships because they're trying to do it their own way, not having a guideline. And we have the guideline. And if we're committed to this relationship, not only will they be deep and meaningful, but there's something that's going to unite us to fulfill God's call on this earth. Amen. So what do we need? What do we need to have strong relationships, marriages, friendships, uh, everything? What does it need? Because this is what I see. I see a church so strong in relationships that the devil himself cannot even get a foot into the door. Because how does he come in? He doesn't come in with a pitchfork. He doesn't come in with horns. He doesn't come in a red suit and go, ta-da, I'm the devil. Because he's smarter than that. We would all run away. But he comes in with a lie. He comes in with a thought. He comes in with, Warwick didn't, Sal didn't hug me today. He must hate me. And then that's all he needs for a seed to grow. But if there's covenant relationship with Warwick, he knows that I love him. Despite whether I get the hug or not. <laughs> Love you, big man. All right. I didn't trip. Great. I once jumped on stage before worship started and I tripped in front of the whole church. <laughs> Split my pants too. But anyway, so number, number one, how do we have covenant relationship? It requires an abundance of grace. Stand up, mum. Her name's Grace. A whole lot of my mom is what we need. I'm joking. I love you. Her name's Grace. We need an abundance of grace for one another. Can I get an amen? Yes. Don't nudge each other. I'm like, I'm seeing Tomo going, I need grace for you, Timmy. No. <laughs> Colossians 3.12 says this. Put on. Put on. Okay? Put on. Something you have to physically do. Put on as God's chosen ones. Holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and they're going to tick you off. So put on some patience, ladies and gentlemen. So covenant people are those who put on compassionate hearts. We put on kindness. We put on humility. We put it on. You know, having grace is not saying the other person is right. That's not what grace is. Can I stop for a second and get in a lot of trouble? Wives are not always right. Like, friends will tell you the wives are always right. My wife has been wrong so many times, and she's only started to figure out that I'm always right. No, but you see, she can't say anything. She's at the back breastfeeding. I can do whatever I want here. But it's not saying the other person is always right. See, having grace is not letting them off the hook for something they've done. 
It's not letting them off the hook. Do you know that when God gave grace on us, he didn't let us off the hook with sin. The sin still needed to be punished. The sin needed to be dealt with. Instead of dealing it through us, Jesus sacrificed his son. There was no letting off the hook. Okay? But it means something like this. Giving the benefit of the doubt to the other person. As Leon put it years ago, Assuming positive intent for one another. See, Warwick having grace for me if I don't hug him is him assuming positive intent that I still love him despite me not seeing him. That, I, don't worry, he doesn't have this issue. I'm just picking on Warwick, right? But it's like, like for those around you, maybe in your row, maybe the person next to you, like do you become frustrated over the little things they do? Like, think about it. Like, you know, are you quick to judge when people make a mistake? Do you expect them to know everything about you all the time? Do you expect them to text you when you need to be texted? Like, if you say yes to some of these things and you're getting a bit agitated me saying these things, maybe you need to assume positive intent with one another. You know, this is something I'm always relating back to my kids. Judah's like, Lydia did this. I'm like, oh my gosh, what does she do now? And like, she said this. I'm like, I'm up, honey, it's your sister. She wouldn't say it like that. You probably misheard her. No. Lydia she probably did mean it but and I'm like I'm like I'm like she's like she's your sister assume that she loves you even if you don't think what she's done is something that's worth love. like she's your sister she's not gonna hurt you I'm your brother I'm your friend I'm your pastor I'm not intentionally gonna hurt you so when we have grace for one another and we assume the best of one another we're not easily let down when our expectations are not met as my wife says it to the kids all the time which I absolutely love love thinks the best of people so you and I love thinks the best of people if someone makes a mistake think the best of that person if they didn't call you back think the best of that person if they didn't respond to your text message three days later and then you see them on Facebook or Instagram quoting something else I'm not naming anybody (laughs) love thinks the best covenant relationship is when you think the best of someone else like that (sighs) You know, 1 Corinthians 13, it's the love chapter. Hey, Kieran, are you using this for your wedding? You are? 1 Corinthians 13? You better be. (laughs) But we only, we check out. Hey, the preacher says, turn to 1 Corinthians 13. Ah, that's cool. I'm married. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's for married people. Paul's not talking to a married people. He's talking to the church of Jesus Christ, who actually is married to Jesus. So I'm just, it is for you and I. It says his love is patient. It is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It isn't proud. It doesn't dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. It doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Now, people always say, put the word God in instead of love, which is true. God is love. But Paul is talking to you. God wants to talk to you, not of himself, and asking you, this is what love looks like. This is what covenant looks like. Imagine a relationship with grace in the picture. No one has to live up to this ideal of perfection. Mistakes are allowed. Forgiveness is given, including all their flaws, warts and all. Just love one another. And you're not waiting for the other person to make the first move. Too often, I'm waiting for you to forgive me. 
Make the first move. Can I tell you, if I didn't make the first move with my wife, I'd still be single. No, I'd definitely be married. But I wouldn't be married to my wife. I had to make the first move. For some of us, you're waiting for that person to forgive, to, to call you. Make the first move. Don't wait for them to approach you. You make the move. This is how we build strong relationships. Take the onus of yourself. Find a wife. <laughs> Can I ask you a question? Is this half full or half empty? Hello. Raise your hands if it's half full. Wow. Right, look around, look around. All right. All right. Who thinks it's half empty? Who thinks it's half empty? Be honest. Who would say that's half empty? Who's half empty? Who thinks it's almost empty real quick? Your hands should all be up. What am I trying to say? You and I are going to see differently all the time. For you, it's half empty. For me, it's half full. There's water in the glass. Either way, we see the exact same thing. You know, so if someone sees something completely different from you, grace allows their opinion to be heard. Grace allows them to have their thoughts. You know, if someone has, hey, you didn't call me or you've hurt me because of this, don't go do what I do. This is what I do. I try to justify my actions. Well, I didn't do this because of this, but this, but this. You know what grace does? You're right. Let me hear what you have to say. And it brings you into a place of humility and go, I need to hear this word. Why? Not to prove anything. Just because that's what love does. And I'll listen. And it might be hurt if you're being corrected. But that's what grace and love does. It brings you to a place of humility, which takes you to our second point. You want to be covenant people, covenant relationship? Then have a heart of honor. A heart of honor. Biblical honor, at its root, implies the bestowal of value and worth on someone else. You see, God honors you. Can, can I show you how God honors you? It's a crazy thought. The creator who, who, who created everything, the one who brought the stars into alignment, spoke a son out of his mouth, turns around to you and honors you. And I'll show you how he does it. In 1 Corinthians 2.27 says this, So God created man in his own image. Right there and then, your image bearers, bearers, yeah, of a holy God. That's the honor he places on you. You are honored people. So much so that he then gives you and I dominion over his creation. Like, have you ever created something or bought something so valuable and you just gone, man, no one is touching this, only people I trust and honor? We just had a baby, right? We're not going to go to the streets and just give my baby to anyone to hold, right? Only certain people can hold my baby and they're under this roof. You know what I mean? So, so why? Because there's value attached to my baby. And all of a sudden, because of the value attached, the person who holds it is because I give, uh, there's this honor and trust. God has done that to you and I. We need to understand, before we honor people, we need to know that we're honored people. Honored people honor people. 1 Peter 2.17 says, honor some people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. Oh, sorry. What, what, what's it say? Honor all people. I heard someone say something. <laughs> you can't honor some people. You honor all people. See, it's easy to show honor when people are loyal and supportive, but what about when people are negative and against you? Or how about if people have a different way of thinking than you? Or how about every time I, uh, you know, Leo gets up here and starts slagging video games time after time and time after time, and I don't agree with how he thinks about it, I still honor Leo despite, <laughs> despite our difference of opinion. Honor is given. 
I am. <laughs> so when you get home, get out your PlayStation. Kidding. We honor people when we agree. We honor more when we don't agree. That's true honor because it's not depicted of whether you and I agree or something. It's not based on, on, on any other common ground but this one thing. We're honored people who honor people. That's it. That's it. And that's it. You know, is it possible that we miss out on miracles when we don't honor? You know, Jesus didn't, couldn't make a miracle. Like he couldn't perform any miracles. It was in his own, own town, right? That's what it says. It says this. Uh, they took offense to him. Then Jesus said to them, only in his hometown, amongst his relatives, royal family, hear this, in your own family and in his own household, a prophet is without honor. So he couldn't perform many miracles, not because of unbelief, but because of honor. That's how much power honor has. You and I could be missing out on all that God has for us because we have not walked in honor, whether to the government, whether to the authorities. Oh, I went there. <laughs> whether to our leaders, whether to our parents, whether to our brothers and sisters, whether to one another. We don't walk in honor. We don't receive all that God has for us. So I want to encourage you. If you, if, you haven't, if you haven't walked in honor, today's a new day to start walking in honor. Because in our relationships, we are sowing seeds. Every time you speak... Every interaction, you sow seeds. The Bible says this, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For, and I know we hear this in, in, in finances, but hear it in relationships. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. One who sows his own flesh will, will from the flesh reap corruption. One who sows to the Spirit and from the Spirit re, uh, reaps eternal life. So then, do not grow weary in doing good. For in due season, you will reap if you do not give up. Do not be deceived. You will reap what you sow. The, the life you're living in now is the fruit of the seed sown in the past. Your relationship with your children, your parents, your friendships, your spouse, all that is a sum of the seed sown. You don't like where you're at? Start sowing new seeds. You see, the past is done. There is nothing we can do from it. And you might be here this morning and you're like, I've sowed bad seeds. Does that mean the future is over? I've got hurt. I've got relational issues. God is a healing God and He will bring restoration and He will bring healing into your life. I promise you that. If you have heard Him from past relationships, He can come and bring healing and He will. But the future is up to you and I. Whatever we sow, we will reap. Amen? This is my encouragement. Covenant people, sow words of life everywhere you go. Sow words of life everywhere you go. I've watched these two couple and I've watched Tony and Heidi. Raise their children. And you know, I came here with, an un, with, with no kids, and now four kids later, I've watched them. And, and they've taught me one thing. Have more kids. <laughs> Don't worry, babe. It's not happening. Four is it. And the way they raise their children is not with buying them things. It's not with if, if, you know, shouting them with the latest this and latest that. It is by sowing words of love and affirmation and encouragement and the word over their lives. And I see their relationship with their children and I want that with my kids. You know what? It's not too late for you. If you have friendships that are broken, sow seeds now. Don't live in regret. Plant them and watch it come up. Amen. 
And I'm not, I'm not talking about R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Find out what it means to me. I'm not talking about respect. Because respect is about their accomplishments. So I do karate. That's right. I do karate. Me and my kids do karate. So, yeah. <laughs> and um, I'm a dangerous orange belt weapon. And I see my sensei. And she's little and kicks this high and all this other stuff. I respect some of the stuff she does, right? But I don't honor her for what she does. I honor her for who she is. You see, you don't respect me. Sorry, you don't honor me for what I do for you. You you respect the fact that I've worked hard for this message. You respect the fact that, you know, that I've done this or done that. That's great. It's something that you give when you see accomplishments. But honor, I don't know anything about Tony. I do. Whether he's done nothing with his life, I honor him. I'm not waiting for him to do something to receive it. It's something that you give everywhere. That is what covenant people do. Say, honored people, honor people. All right. And the third one is this. You want to be covenant relationship with one another? What's the first thing you've got to do? All right. <laughs> Let me remind you again. <laughs> walk in an abundance of grace for one another. Have grace for me. Have grace for each other. Number two, walk in honor. Number three, you need to die to self. Mm. Everyone's checked out of here. Stuff that. I ain't not dying. <laughs> you see, in an age of self-love is the most we need to self-die to self. Doesn't mean you don't love yourself. It means you die to self. Jesus said this in Luke 9. Whoever wants to be my disciple. Who wants to be a disciple of Christ? Hands up. I'm serious. Who wants to follow Christ? This is serious. You want to follow Christ? Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow him. For whoever wants to save their lives will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me will save it. Dying to oneself will foster the fruits of the Spirit. When you die to self, you yield to the Spirit. All of a sudden, it's not I who lives, Christ who lives in me. This is what Galatians says this, I walk by the Spirit. Say, walk by the Spirit, you'll not be gratified by the desires of the flesh, for the flesh desires what's contrary to the Spirit. They're in conflict with one another, so that you don't do what you want, but you're led. So, but if you're led by the Spirit and not under the law, then all these acts of the flesh, like sexual morality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, just so you know, people skim past those and go, I don't do witchcraft, I'm pure. Hatred, discord, jealousy, Fits of rage, selfish ambition, contradicts the spirit of God. And so this is what we're meant to do. We're meant to walk in love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It only happens when you die to flesh, to die, not physically die, spiritually you're crucified with Christ and you yield to the spirit You surrender your life and go, I can't do this. Holy Spirit, come in me now and work through me. Because who's rewarded by the fruits that I bear? Me or you? Simple question, you. If I'm walking in love, joy, peace, kindness, who reaps the benefit of that? You guys do. Imagine if we all walk in that way. Who reaps the benefit? All of us. But it means we need 
to die. Has anyone ever read The um, Hungry Caterpillar? Okay, I'm actually, um, I've been lied to for 10 years. This book has lied to me. This is what it says. Don't tell my kids this, they'll die. Um, This is the caterpillar. It said he now wasn't hungry anymore. He wasn't a little caterpillar anymore. He was a big, fat caterpillar. (laughs) He built a small house, caught a cocoon around himself. He stayed inside for more than two weeks. And then he nibbled a hole, pushed his way out. And what happened? He becomes a beautiful butterfly. You know, a caterpillar goes into the cocoon and liquefies itself into goo. It completely has no nature of its old self before it becomes a butterfly. It must die before new life is born. And for us, our old nature must die so then the new life in Christ can come forward and we can have these covenant relationships. Amen? It means we die to our selfishness. We die to our offense. We're literally the walking dead. Woo! Zombies take over the world. I told you it would happen. Told you it would happen. And this is what happens when we all do this. This is what a covenant relationship looks like. It's beautiful. Have you ever heard of the World Wide Web? Cool. Have you ever heard of the Wood Wide Web? It's a crazy phenomenon that takes place, right? So in the Wood Wide Web, the Wood Wide Web, these trees in the forest, um, they planted right next to each other. So much so that their roots go down and they interlock. We've all heard the story about that. But what I didn't know is that the trees communicate to one another. When their roots lock in, they're actually sending signals to other trees. They're actually sending um, nutrients to other trees. They're actually sending things so all the trees around them grow strong. And then what happens is this. If, if um, oh, that's so cute. You can play guitar. Then what happens is this. If a tree is dying, it actually sends all its nutrients to the other tree so they're strong. And then they're so strong that it's another plant comes into the mix. There are specific plants that build around these trees. And their job, if you can look this up, is they actually suck the lives of other trees and so much so that they actually poison other trees through the root system and, and kills off other trees so they can last. What does it look like? It looks like a church together, root together, you and I entangled together so much so that we're leaning off one another. They're actually supporting one another. They're actually giving life to one another. So then it stops the weeds and the unhealthy tree, the trees that don't belong to come up and then interfere with the root systems and destroy the actual forest. So I want to close your eyes. Father, we want good relationships. No, we don't. We want covenant relationships, Father. And that means that we need to be able to walk in grace with one another. Father, means we need to learn how to extend forgiveness when it's hard. More than that, that means we need to die to ourselves in order for this relationship to happen. So Father, right now, if every head bowed, eyes closed, right now, I just pray for any, any relational restoration that needs to take place, Father. Maybe you're here and you're wounded. Maybe you've been infected with hurt and pain. And that's real. We've all been through things. You don't need to stay there. You might not be able to fix the relationship, 
But what you can do is allow God to fix you so you can have healthy relationships in the future. So right now, Holy Spirit, just come and just start healing hearts right now. God, just start healing hearts. This is serious stuff. Our relationship with one another is that important. It's the second greatest commandment. So I ask, Father, for healing. And Lord, right now, for those who are committing to covenant relationship with one another, to stay in your seats. If you want to commit to it, just don't open your eyes anyone, please. This is you and God. Because if you commit to this, it means we're going to do some serious business with Him. If you want, if you're saying, God, I want to commit covenant relationship with people, why don't you raise your hands? All right, Father, you see our hands raised. It's not an easy thing to do. But Father, I pray right now that you give each and every one of us the ability to learn how to have these godly relationships with one another, Father. Right now, I just thank you that you see our hearts. Give us grace. Give us the wisdom. Give us the ability. Give us the power to die to self and live for you and others. Father, we thank you right now that you have just forgiven us for all our past. You've given us a hope for the future. Jesus, my name. Thanks for listening to the GGC Life podcast. If you'd like to partner with us, you can visit ggclife.com forward slash give. We hope you have an amazing week. Be blessed.